You're listening to the BBC Good Food podcast with Tom Kerridge. I'm your podcast host, Orlando Murrin, and on this show, we're going to talk about some brilliant recipes and we'll even be tasting some of Tom's own creations. Welcome to the BBC Good Food podcast with Chef Tom Kerridge and food writer Rosie Burkett. And today we're going to be talking about brunch. Tom, is brunch a thing in the Kerridge household? It, well, yeah, it is, but only because of the time that we actually get round to eating it, not necessarily <laughs> what the dishes are. So quite often I try really hard to not work a Sunday and then that's the day that I have with little man and Beth and we try to catch up and we do. Sometimes we'll go out to the coach for breakfast or sometimes we'll cook at home. But it is normally we'll do by the time we're up and running, finish playing dinosaurs, chasing each other around with a rugby ball or riding bikes in the kitchen. We'll end up cooking something and it might be a breakfast or it might be a brunchy style dish, but it is normally, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock ish. So it's kind of like a very late breakfast or a very early lunch. There's quite a lot to talk about brunch, all the different influences and the different things that people believe it is. But time, the timing of it seems to be something that we can all agree with, that it starts at 10, 30, 11, is that right? And it finishes when it finishes? Yeah, I mean, it's weird because... You could look at it as that you're having breakfast dishes at lunchtime. That makes it a brunch. Or you're having a lighter lunch dish at earlier than lunch. And then that makes it brunch. So it's kind of, I mean, there. I mean, it's a, it's a broad spectrum that you can just choose from. It's kind of like, it's not a full three course, but it's not roast beef Yorkshire pudding at one o'clock, is it? It's something, it fits, it falls somewhere differently. And it's a lovely thing. I, I think we all like it because it feels relaxed and it feels like Sunday and it feels like you've got time, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think we, uh, a bit like Tom, we do it at the weekend and usually on a Saturday um, because we tend to have a Sunday lunch, but it's just so nice, uh, especially... Um, you know, for if you've been at work all week and you haven't seen much of your partner to actually have have that first meal of the weekend and to have it a bit later because you want to have a lion um, and to have a lovely brunch. And I'm a huge fan of breakfast food. So eggs, I love eggs. I love eggs on toast. And I think brunch is just a real good excuse to kind of extend breakfast till a bit later in the day. And it's quite family, isn't it? M- massively. I is think there that's such the a thing process. as a business brunch? I I think it can also be quite grown up, though. I think that I hear what you're saying about it being a family thing, but it also quite often involves the introduction of a bit of alcohol. Um, you know, it's an excuse to have a cocktail, you know, with the meal that you otherwise would essentially be breakfast. So it, it can be quite a fun grown up thing to do, especially if you're going out for it with friends. What should we be drinking at brunch then? Let's set the scene with the drinks and then we can talk about what we're going to eat. Um, mine's easy. I'm a non-drinker, so mine would just be black coffee or an orange juice, pretty much. I'd start with a coffee and then maybe a Bloody Mary or a mimosa, which is uh, fresh orange juice with some champagne. That's Buck's Fizz. Is that the same thing as a Buck's Fizz, mimosa? Then? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. And then Bloody Mary. How do you make your Bloody Mary, Rosie? Bloody Mary, horseradish, uh, Tabasco, celery salt around the rim of the glass, a nice stick of celery, ice cubes, 
vodka and tomato juice. Yeah. You, have you tried a splash of sherry? Because that can be a very nice, it gives, no. kind of rounds out the flavour. Sherry like. is the secret ingredient. I can't believe you gave that away. Oh, <laughs> oh and Lee and Perrin's as well. Absolutely crucial. <laughs> I think some people have very colourful cocktails at brunch. You can, you can go a bit mad and have rainbow coloured things and blue drinks as well, can't you? It seems to, Kind of uh, like hollowed out pineapples and stuff. Yeah, my, 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 my Thai or whatever it is, those exotic Hawaiian type drinks. I think if you're on a holiday and, you know, you're by the sea in Mexico, then pina colada all the way. It, it feels quite holiday, the whole thing. I've got a kind of spring in my step just thinking about this brunch and we haven't even mentioned yet what we're actually going to be eating. So what are some favourite brunch dishes that we have? Uh, well, we tend to have, we love um it's quite a brunch cliche, but avocado on toast with poached eggs and then some form of... Um, I don't go to the trouble of making a hollandaise at home, but I would have um, maybe a kind of yoghurt-based sauce. Now, this is famous, your your sauce. That Tell us how you make your sauce that, that isn't hollandaise, so it, but is a creamy, it's, it's a creamy sauce, is it? Yeah, it's a good um, high-fat natural yoghurt, uh, live yoghurt, and then I might stir through maybe a bit of tahini, olive oil, and a little bit of lemon juice, um, and spoon it over the egg or I quite like stirring in some rose harissa um, for something a bit more of a chilli kick. Gosh, that sounds very exotic, doesn't it? delicious, doesn't it? Really nice. Lovely idea. We've got a whole podcast about Eggs Benedict in the Favourite Recipes series, so we don't need to talk too much about Eggs Benedict, but I'm very glad that you've given us that alternative source for it because I personally find Hollandaise a bit a bit of a headache on a on a Sunday morning when you're trying to do other things. But there, there are ways to do it. And in fact, in the podcast, they show you how, you, how it can be done if you're clever enough and do the timings right. Yeah, there, there are so many cooking procedures that aren't difficult, but... You just need to do them three or four times or maybe watch someone do them. And that's why I think videos are so helpful to teach you how to do things because you can see how it should look. And don't be scared of failure. Don't be scared of having a go. Don't be scared of playing around with stuff. What's the worst thing can happen, right? If it all goes wrong, get some yogurt, mix it with a bit of tahini or a bit of rosarissa, you know, (laughs) go with this, you know, you have the safety backup. It's nice to have an opportunity, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a go at stuff. Yeah, but Tom, I hate it when something goes wrong and I have to throw food away. I feel a criminal. So, even if we were making mistakes, we never learned. No, 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 you're absolutely right. So, what are the sorts of eggs? Poached eggs are dealt with in the Eggs Benedict podcast and we've got a video on how to do them and they... Barney's absolutely cracked this and tells you exactly how to do it. So what other egg forms of egg cookery do, would we be enjoying at brunch? A lovely, I love a scrambled egg. So lovely scrambled egg. I love egg. scrambled egg yeah. too. How do you do your scrambled eggs, Rosie? Well, I've actually lately been introducing a little bit of red onion uh, and a little bit of grated cheese into my scrambled egg. Do you cook the onion first yeah, in, the, in the butter yeah. and soften it a bit? Yeah, soften it a bit. Um, Tasty. And then, yeah, a little bit of nice, whatever I've got in the fridge cheese-wise, nice bit of grated cheese. Sometimes the, uh, uh, the finish? Yeah, to finish it, but sometimes a bit of um, fresh chilli, fresh red chilli or green. I, I really like green chilli as well. Um, and maybe a pinch of turmeric as well. 
Um, I quite I like spicing things up with my eggs, definitely. And then would you have that on toast or just yeah, in a little dish? Yeah, or always on toast. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of using chili at breakfast. I think it's a real. It really does help, like kickstart the day. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you can go softer. You know, you can have a bowl of cereal, you can have a toast, and you can, you know, that feels like breakfasty. The moment you start throwing chili in there, it starts making things come alive. It starts mm. making things. Oh, maybe it isn't breakfast time. Maybe it is. I got yeah. up and did something, and it, you know, it kind of chili, gets the day going. It's amazing. It? Yeah. But for me, like a, a, a baked omelette is something that's really good brunch dish because you can throw in those sort of things that you wouldn't normally have at lunch. You know, you can throw in, a, a, you know, a bit of smoked salmon. The smoked salmon is a good breakfast dish, but it's also quite good. You have it at lunchtime in sandwiches or something. You know, it's mm. one of those sort of things. You, you can use chorizos. You can use, so a, ba- use a baked omelette. Is that where you make an omelette and you you in a in a pan or in a dish and then yeah, you just shove it in the oven? It, oh, that's exactly it. You fry all the stuff off in a pan. Whatever you're going to add, the mushrooms and whatever whatever flavours you want, whisk up some eggs, pour it in, whack it in the other job so done. So is that like a frittata? Is the same, exactly same thing? Exactly like or a frittata, Do you heat yeah. it at all on the hob before you put it in the oven or you just put it straight in the oven when it when the eggs are in? You just put, yeah, well, you cook the, the flavourings out, whatever you're going to put mushrooms in or ham in it or whatever yeah. else like that. You know, some crispy fried stale bread could then go into it. Those sort of things. Then pour in the eggs, then bake it in the oven. It's a, I mean, it's just a lovely thing to do. And it's dead easy. You and know, is that like a hot oven for 10 minutes sort of thing? Or? Perfect, yeah. yeah. About one 190. You don't want to do it too hot. If you do it too hot, it'll souffle. Oh, what, what would be wrong with a souffle? What would be wrong with the souffle? I mean, a souffle, a souffle for brunch, that's quite involved. That is quite a, a, like a twice baked smoked haddock souffle. I mean that. Mm. I mean that would be amazing. That's an, that's like an ultimate brunch dish. But you're you're working hard for that. You're having to do something at the beginning. Like I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna do something the night before if you need to do that. We have arriving at this moment a, a wonderful dish which is poached duck egg with hot smoked salmon and mustard hollandaise, and it's brought oh, wow. to us by Liberty. Thank you so much. Thank it's you very much. Beautiful thing. Uh, beautiful duck eggs you're a duck egg fan are you Tom I do like duck eggs yeah I think they're great I mean flavour wise they're it's not I mean an egg is an egg is an egg really there's not much difference in flavour wise but there is a slight there's a bit more richness to it there's a size difference they're slightly bigger uh, and then it works you know it just works really really nice as that breakfast kind of dish they have that, that very bright style. orange yolk as well don't they yeah, usually yeah, yeah exactly and it works really nice with a dish like this so it's hot smoked salmon toasted muffins and watercress and it's got the hollandaise sauce on the top. And, so know, it's not the very thinly sliced smoked salmon. It's it's the chunky It's the hot, hot, sm- hot salmon. salmon. So yeah. it's not Kill. cured. And so, exactly. So where it, it's smoked, it's cured. and But then when it gets smoked, it's smoked it, in a hot smoker. So it actually cooks it. And then you, you then you chill it. So it's, and you get big flakes and chunks mm. of it rather than yeah. it being the, the kind of like the cured stuff then gets a smoke a kind of aroma on it from a cold smoker that's then sliced thinly. It's different. Because I found that if you put little slivers of smoked salmon in say scrambled eggs they kind of slightly disappear don't they the little the little strips so this has got a bit more body and texture exactly. to it but those strips it? are good because it, it, it adds a flavour profile that's lovely this yeah. you know but this way you're actually making a point of having having a beautiful piece of fish and that's quite you know mm. that's that's a, that fish from, it's, it's always a little bit more difficult as a, a as a breakfast item but it works quite well as a brunch you want like had a, you know smoked haddock works beautifully kippers work lovely those sort of things are great for breakfast even smoked mackerel as well yeah really love nice. it. yeah and kedgeree where are we on oh, kedgeree i love kedgeree yeah me yeah. too 
I've got a recipe on BBC Good Food for a smoked mackerel kedgeri, mm. um, which is really nice because it, it's sort of um, a bit of a time saver because you're just flaking the smoked mackerel rather than poaching the smoked haddock. Um, you can you just flake the smoked mackerel into the kedgeri. It's got a lovely old-fashioned feeling to it, kedgeri. It feels like Victorian, as if it should be served in one of those things with a silver dome on top and you lift it off and there underneath is your lovely kedgeri. It's a great thing, kedgeri. It's, you know, it's one of those flavours that, you know, you've got that lovely warm spice and again it's talking about having the spices isn't it you know and you're having that um you're having that those kind of like curry spices but then the richness of the fish and the, and the rice that goes with it and then also you know you've got the the, the raisins and the, you know that that kind of um process where you get that balance of the sweetness of the dried fruit that comes through with it it's delicious it works so well still to come on bbc good foods podcast with tom kerridge the really, italians know how to do yeah liver, don't it's they? a really really nice dish you know the problem is again that's not quite a brunch dish i've got to be honest not something i wouldn't well, it's not the first thing i'd wake up with yeah. do you know what i fancy <laughs> no. for brunch and i'd want a glass of wine with it not yeah, a cocktail and a pineapple yeah, no, no. <laughs> Now, I'll be on my own for a while now because my two guests have have their mouths full of wonderful eggs benedict. Duck eggs are so good. (laughs) They're so lovely. They are that next level, very rich. And then with the smoked salmon, the hot smoked salmon, it works so deliciously. Now, does either of you make corned beef hash? (laughs) <laughs> I haven't wonder- made corned beef hash in ages. It's, it's a wonderful lovely. thing, though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Absolutely great. My mum makes a mean corned beef hash. Does she do it yeah. with, with tinned corned beef? Yeah, with tinned corned yeah. beef. We have that quite a lot growing up. Yeah. It's delicious. Because it's really it, comforting. You can make corned beef, but it's an enormous effort, isn't it, from brisket to make a, an actual piece of corned beef, and you end up with an awful lot of it. But I think corned beef hash has potatoes and corned beef in it. Yeah. And, and onions. Does it onion? A bit of onion? Yeah, fried onions. Ketchup on top? I'd oh, probably have it with on, mustard. Egg on top. You could, you could put, put an, an egg put on top and, egg and on put, top. It, put it in the oven, couldn't you? It's the history of that. Is, that. is that post-war? Is that something that, you know, comes from tins and you've got potatoes, there's no feels rationing? Like there's, that, there's, yeah. yeah, it feels then, like a post-rationing yeah, dish. Yeah. Is there red velvet hash as well? That, I think it's American thing that, because Americans are very into um, corned beef. red velvet? Robert, has, I think it's got beetroot in it. Oh, I okay. think that's a red version of it. Oh, I, like that. I like, yeah. quite like that idea. Yeah, that'd be a yeah, nice love it. modernisation, mm. wouldn't it? I'm wondering why the, why things at breakfast, old-fashioned things for breakfast, begin with K, because we've got the kippers, we've got the kedgeree, and kid, kidneys. People you, in Victorian times, they serve kidneys. under that You'd lift up one of those silver things, and there would be a dish of sizzling kidneys. I don't know whether I would want kidneys. Tom, I mean, would you? No, I'm not a kidney fan. I'm best of times. I think that's honest. the I'm only not, time I'm I've ever heard not. you say that you wouldn't like to eat something. No, I'm not. I'm, I mean, I've tried them all. I've eaten pretty much everything. Anything that's put in front of me, I'll eat, and I'll try. And I, and I, but do you know what? If you've got a choice of eating kidneys or not, it's not really for me. You know, they they smell and taste like toilets. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, why are you going to choose that for breakfast? If you've got kedgeree there, lush. If you've got smoked haddock, amazing. You've got eggs, Benedict. You've got full English. I mean, you've got all of those. Why would you choose those? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, it's not for me. Yeah, people do like them. Do, do you like kidneys? Rosie? No, I am with Tom on that one. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, you know, not really interested in kidneys. And what about breakfast? liver? Liver? Um, like calves' liver or lamb's liver? Yeah, I, again, I I like liver pate. I, I do like liver in, in, in pate, but I, I don't love eating it just on its own. 
I think done well, Carve's liver's beautiful. I think it's got an amazing texture. It's the sort of thing, I mean, it had a massive renaissance in the 90s. It was huge, Mm. late 90s, early 2000. It was, you know, everywhere you went, Carve's liver was fantastic. I think liver got a bad name because of lamb's liver and pork liver, again, post-war. And it's probably our grandparents that taught our parents that, and you just cook it until it was really dry and grainy and not particularly pleasant. And actually well looked after. Liver with sage and really nice pancetta is lovely. Lovely. Is it? Really, the Italians really, know how to do yeah, liver, don't it's they? It's a really, really nice dish. So, uh, carved liver is good because it's not again that astringent and powerful. It's all m- much more about the texture. But the problem, you know, the problem is again that's not quite a brunch dish. I got to be honest, it's not the sort of thing I wouldn't. No. Choose, quite full it? on for your first. It, yeah, yeah. That's probably by the end of the day where you've had a full on day and you're quite uh, like I, I get it then, but it's not something I wouldn't. Well, it's not the first thing I wake up. Yeah. Do you know what I fancy <laughs> no. for brunch? And I'd want a glass of wine with it. I'd want a glass of like quite full-bodied red wine with something like that, yeah. which is, again, Not I would Not a cocktail in a pineapple, yeah. no? Yeah. no. <laughs> well, we arrived at liver via kidneys, so I'm sorry. That's how we got to liver. I don't think it's uh, anyone would want it on their brunch menu. But there's something I'd love to see on a brunch menu, which is French toast. Don't yeah. we all love French mm. toast? Yeah, delicious. With ma- maple syrup? Mm. And how do you make your French toast? Do you know what? I'm not a huge, sweet breakfast brunch person. You would have it with bacon? Yes, could have it with bacon. Yeah, it's not something I make at home. What about you, Tom? Yeah, no, we, we're at, we're we're working very hard on getting French toast a hundred percent right for a hand of flowers. Actually, and trying to we're playing with a dish of how we can actually want to make it and stuff it with custard rather so the eggs are in the middle and the outside and fry it. But we haven't got it right yet. So, but we're working on. I love it. I think French toast. So is crisp on the outside and melting middle sort of melting operation. middle. Yeah, fry like a fried custard dusted in icing sugar, basically with the bread encased in kind of like a. A bread, but we're still working on the process. How wonderful. Have you ever said that thing of fried ice cream where you, you dip pieces of ice cream in bread, egg and bread crumbs and plunge them in the fryer and it's freezing in the middle and... No, um, but I have seen it done a number of times. We did used to do a souffle with the ice cream, baked with the ice cream in the middle, which was really quite interesting. Gosh, okay. so, that, so that was quite good. But it, that, that, again, there's so much about that. The process of getting that right timings to get it perfect every time. Like, you're frying or putting something that's frozen into something hot. Although the person that did that amazing and got it right was Heston Blumenthal. He used to do an ice cream dish at the Fat Duck where it would come to the table and it was set alight. So you'd have ice cream that was on fire. And it, I mean, it was amazing. The, the, that guy's an absolute genius. And it was, yeah, it was brilliant. brilliant, brilliant. He had, must have a lot of equipment because he probably kind of super chilled the ice cream to get it to the not melting point when it was on fire, didn't he? Yeah, well, it'll be what is a light. It's the process of what is on fire. Uh, right. It's like, what is, the, what, what is the alcohol? What is the thing that's burning whilst the, whilst the ice cream is still there? That'll be the, that'll be the trick. That'll be the thing that I've got no idea how to do it. That's why we've never done it. I've never set fire to ice cream. <laughs> I bet I it involves like, liquid nitrogen. Do you reckon? I feel like such a loser. No, I've never set light to ice cream. How do you feel about that, that kind of high-tech cookery apart from admiring it because it's very clever it's amazing without without uh, listen i mean i'm sure i've said it a million times before but without hessen that hessen has taken the world of british food onto the next level because he thinks about the scientific process of it he's not stuck in he's questioned everything me i'm classically trained and you look at it and you just do you find nice ingredients you treat them well and you do it but the process the science process of how do you how do you poach an egg better how do you make hot smoked salmon taste amazing how do you all of these things heston questions you know the idea 
it for, for you need people like him pushing those boundaries because it makes all of us better because a little bit of that science will learn that will improve the basic levels of cookery we've all eaten triple cooked chips yeah that's all because of that man and uh, is it feeding through to other parts of the restaurant profession that he that people that Heston has trained are going forth and multiplying, so to speak, so that they're doing that kind of adventure cooking in other places? Yeah, I'm not sure that necessarily the way that that Heston has trained a lot of his chefs have gone on to do great, great things. Um, but it, the way that the fat duck runs as opposed to any other restaurant is very, very different. So to replicate that can't be done. Really, you know, it's a one-off. It's a unique and it's a very, very special in, place. In what way? Because Just it's the, got the a number of chefs. And, yeah, exactly, exactly. The way that that whole business has been built has been built around this one guy's genius mind. And you, you know, you you're not if you've trained there and you've worked there, you're not that guy. So you're not. Gonna, you might know the processes, but to implement that in another restaurant. Isn't, it doesn't work. It's not cost effective. It doesn't. It can't. But the Fat Duck has made it work because it was unique and it's a one-off. But what has happened is that chefs have been there and gone there and has learned little bits of technique that will improve just any bit of normal cookery and understanding of the science. So yeah, so it filters down and it makes it incredible and amazing. So so yeah, to replicate it, no. From the chefs that have gone through his kitchens, the knowledge that has then spread into the British um, culinary institution is huge. And have you trained chefs that have gone forth as kind of miniature Tom Carriages and done a different version of what you do that you're particularly proud of and Yeah, we've, got, we've got a number of chefs that have moved on from us and, and uh, achieved things and won mission stars and done stuff in their own right and they're all doing very, very well and they, they go, you know, we find that balance between... Um, it's just an infrastructure of style that people take, and that, and that's great. You know the, you know the way that people's dishes and the way that they're influenced by their time that they spend with us is is just a compliment, and it's amazing. Now you know it's a very simple thing, but fruit salad. Um, it, there's an art to fruit salad. It's not just a case of hacking a few bits of fruit up and putting them in a bowl. It's... Don't get the fruit out of a tin. <laughs> no. <laughs> is there any fruit that should come from a tin nowadays? Do you think? Um, I mean, I'm not slating all tinned fruit because it can be amazing. You know, you can make apricot tarts with tinned apricots and tinned peaches and things like that. Um, and and lychees from a tin, I'm a big fan of. Um, but I think when it comes to, an, a, you know, a really nice fruit salad. For... Oh, f- do you remember that fruit cocktail, the thing with all the little coloured bits in it? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and the sweet syrup. Yeah, very, very sweet. I like the citrus fruits cut up very carefully so that you get all the segments off so that you get the skin off that rather laborious way that you chefs do them tom yeah which so take, you haven't got the piff on it and the, yeah, and the, the, and, the and middle skin bits, it's really yeah. nice i don't like banana in it because the banana goes a bit no, soggy and the apple is a bit hard but apart from that i'll have any fruit in it but... i like a tropical fruit salad so mango oh. papaya passion fruit lychee maybe a bit of lime juice I re- I think that's kind of really nice special fruit salad. And knowing you, a bit of chili. Oh yes, a nice <laughs> bit of red chili. That would be lovely. And then to finish it off, how about some yogurt? Are you keen on yogurt? Love yogurt. That's my go-to breakfast. I've got to be honest. That's why I had this morning. Same. I left the gym at six o'clock, sat in the car before I get went anywhere, and I had a yogurt that I literally take from home. I could put half a tub of yogurt in the car with a little spoonful of honey on it. Sit in the car, have me yogurt for breakfast, and then get on with it. Get Any on with particular life. sort of yogurt? Do you like the Greek yogurt or the I natural yogurt? I have zero yogurt? fat Greek zero yogurt. Fat yeah. Greek yogurt. Yeah, I like nice full fat yogurt. Full fat yogurt. Yeah, but I, I love. I'm the same. I absolutely love yogurt. It's a kind of miracle because it's only milk, but it's all kind of thick and 
gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, and especially if you get, I, I really like buying a live yogurt or a probiotic yogurt. So you're also, you know, does that looking make much difference? Is that does it really make much difference? Do you think if it's a yeah, live if it's a, if it's a probiotic yogurt, it's full of good bacteria, which is really helpful for your gut. So it helps with your digestion. Um, it helps with your immune system. Uh, yeah, I really love getting that in first thing in the morning. And after this enormous brunch, we need all that, don't we? Now, finally, what music are we going to have during our brunch? Because I think that's part of it, isn't it? Do you think? Yeah, I think. Well, I'm 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 not a jazz man, but I'm hearing jazz in the background as I arrive at this brunch. Yeah, you're when not... you go for brunch, quite often there's a you know there might be a jazz if you're in a fancy if you're in a fancy hotel or something there yeah. might be a, a jazz musician or a jazz pianist bistro tech in East London they do a really good brunch and there's usually a, a, a pianist. Ella Fitzgerald in the background. Tom, you're looking doubtful. Do you like? Yeah, do I'm you not like really into the jazz. I got to be honest. No. So, you know, it's a little bit. I'm not really into this old laid back vibe like i mean i run around the table with a four-year-old like i'm anything hardcore dance dreams old 90s piano house so anything like that that's fine for me i'll go with that excellent well we've got plenty of ideas for your next brunch and i'd like to say an enormous thank you to chef tom and food writer rosie and look forward very much to seeing you next time thank Thank you. you bye Thank you for listening to the BBC Good Food podcast with Tom Kerridge. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. And to find out more about the recipes we've been talking about, go to bbcgoodfood.com. Listener.